The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve a practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. Today's episode is brought to you by our two sponsors, Benedictine College and Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash thinking bigger. Our guest today is Tricia Steffes. She's the founder and CEO of Belize Alte, which is a clothing and footwear company that's tailored to the needs of tall women. They have an online collection right now, and they're also in the process of manufacturing their own line. Welcome to the show today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about your company, how it got started and what it does. Yeah, of course. Um, I'll start by saying that Belize Alte translated means tall beauties in Italian. Absolutely. And um, as you said, we are a clothing line and footwear company tailored to tall women. Um, We initially started our business model with the idea of offering an online boutique um, where basically I would bring together a collection of pieces from current brands in the market, retailers, and and offer like a one-stop shop retail Mm -hmm. store for tall women. Let me go back a little bit uh, and tell you about how we got started. I was going to say, what inspired this? Yes. In December of 2010, I took a trip to New York City. And um, I've always struggled with finding clothes that fit my six-foot frame um, since I was about 15. And, you know, it was a frustration that I just kind of dealt with. You kind of work around it, and and you learn uh, what you can and cannot wear. Um, So December 2010, I go to New York City. And I'm certain, being in the shopping capital of the United States, that I'm going to have the opportunity to find an outfit that fit properly. Right. Um, But after walking 69 New York City blocks in heels, um, I I came to the sad realization that I was going to be leaving empty-handed. And so it was literally in in the middle of 57th Street that I I, I was overcome with frustration and... um, decided to do something about it. And so that was when Belize Alte was born. Yeah. So so did you get to work on it right away, right there in New York, or did you wait till you got back and enjoyed the rest of your trip? I mean, you I know, know the inspiration came. Right. Then, but. You know, um, I think just having the entrepreneurial mindset, you're, you know, I, I was instantly thinking about how I was going to approach it. And, and I remember that it was, um, it, it, it was certainly consuming my thoughts mm-hmm. the rest of the trip. And then, of course, the, the plane ride home. But, um no, it was more, this is what I'm going to do, but how do I get started? Exactly. Because what were you doing at the time? Sure. I was um, managing Lead Bank out of Lee Summit. Okay. And working towards some child advocacy goals because that's a major passion of mine. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, I was I was in a great job and love, love the company, love Lead Bank. So, um, but I knew at some point this was going to come to fruition. Right. I was going to make it happen. Mm-hmm. But... Um, 
you know, I had never started a business. So it was one of those, you know, doing the research and, and taking time to make sure that everything was laid out properly in order to move forward. Exactly. And so, um, yeah, it was actually... Um, we found out in March that we were going to be relocating to Atlanta. Um, and so um, I knew that my position at Lead Bank was going to be ending as a result of the mm-hmm. relocation. And so that's when I really started moving forward hard on, um, you know, just figuring out how I'm going to get this launched, what steps I need to take. And um, ultimately, my my initial business model was just to create this online boutique. Sure. And... Um, and offer these clothing, you know, the pieces online. Um, but through the research, and after we moved to Atlanta, I began attending trade shows and developing relationships with suppliers. And it became obvious to me really quick that the deficiency that exists in tall women's fashion goes beyond the consumer market. It was so difficult to find clothing and footwear um, at these trade shows that tailored to tall women. Okay. I went from one booth to another. And, you know, I'd hear, no, our shoe sizes stop at a size 10, or no, we can't, um, we don't have jeans that fit 37-inch inseams and beyond. And, mm-hmm. and it was just that same rejection that I had received most of my life going into a sh- stores to purchase clothing. Right. I was receiving that same rejection at trade shows. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> it became obvious to me that if I was going to fill this need for tall women, I was going to have to go beyond the um, online boutique. Right. And quite frankly, the thought of starting a clothing line was pretty terrifying. I I can imagine. I mean, collecting things that already exist and offering them online is one thing. Right. In fact, probably fairly low risk. Uh, And to do your own, to incur the design, the manufacturing and production costs, the distribution... I mean, that is a whole nother uh, can of worms. Right, yeah. Um, I often refer to it as a, a, a beast. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, yeah it is. Um, you know, but the other issue that I came um, into contact with with the online boutique is um, having been in a startup position and only offering products online, there were additional pieces that could be found, but they wanted me to have a brick-and-mortar building. Ah, and so okay. there was a lot of obstacles to overcome. Um, but So, yeah, the idea of this clothing line was terrifying, very expensive. You know, where do I start? There's so many manufacturers. Am I going to take it offshore? Right. Am I going to, you know, um, have these produced domestically? And, and there, was, um, there was so much to consider. Mm-hmm. And um, Did you have somebody that was helping you sort through these? Were you, did you have a mentor or an advisor? Yes. So the relocation to Atlanta happened in July of 2011. And um, I knew that this is something I wanted to take head on. I didn't know mm-hmm. where to go. I didn't know where to start. But I knew that um, being in Atlanta was a great place to be. Yeah. And so I decided that I was just going to immerse myself into the community, um, get involved in as much as I could. And so I began attending different meetings, um, going to um, investor gatherings, Mm -hmm. just kind of wanted to see what was going on um, for the fashion industry in Atlanta. And um, I attended um, an investor meeting in Atlanta and I uh, had the opportunity to meet a couple of pretty influential people, one um, that I still stay in contact with mm-hmm. very regularly, Tom Hughes. Um, so Tom and I connected pretty well at this meeting, and we began uh, talking ongoing. And so he certainly came on board as one of my mentors. Mm-hmm. And, 
And Tom Hughes is, for people who don't know, I mean, Tom Hughes, the relevance of... <laughs> sure. He's a gentleman out of um, Atlanta. He's um, very involved in um, Coles College, Kennesaw University. Mm-hmm. Um, he does a lot of... He's basically bought and sold multiple businesses. Sure. Very knowledgeable mm-hmm. um, gentleman that is um, has a name in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, Tom and I were talking, and I told him, I said, you know, I really don't know where to start with this clothing line, but um, I, I would be so interested in talking to Damon John, ah, which is the Shark, shark on Shark Tank. Yeah. yeah. And although um, our <clears throat> markets were completely different, I kind of thought that it, they were similar enough that he could give me some guidance. And so I just happened to mention it to Tom, and Tom said that, he was going to be coming into Atlanta to speak at Kennesaw University. And so um, I connected with um, Damon John's uh, rep or um, his assistant, mm-hmm. and we um, arranged a meeting. So I had an opportunity to meet with him um, one-on-one prior to him speaking at the university um, and basically was had the opportunity to kind of um, – you know, get some information from him. Right. Um, so what obstacles he had overcome, what he would do different. Um, just, you know, what what should I expect? Mm-hmm. And so we spoke, and I walked away with a lot of really great information, and he connected me to some really great resources, and then I had the opportunity to hear him speak at Kennesaw University after. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's very inspiring because he spoke about how he was rejected for funding 27 times. I've seen that before. Yeah, yeah. and you know, it's um, it's easy when you're rejected, even once, to say, okay, maybe this isn't going to work. Sure. But, you know, um, I think in business, you have to you have to understand the risk. You have to understand there's going to be obstacles, and mm-hmm. you have to just keep moving forward. Right. Well, and the other thing is, is just because it's you don't get the funding from one investor or one bank uh, or whatever organization you're trying to get the funding from doesn't mean necessarily that it's a bad idea. That just might not be the right, right. match. Exactly. And so, but uh, you're absolutely right. A lot of entrepreneurs think, oh, that was a stupid idea. Yeah. Why did I even spend any time on it? Right. And that's not the case. But you, you mentioned something, or you, this story uh, brings up another really good lesson, and that is a lot of people in your position would not have um, asked uh, for the introduction, oh. and you did. And uh, you know, I just always tell entrepreneurs it never hurts to ask. What could happen besides no? And you've got to know if you don't ask anyway. Right, exactly. So, so I just like to remind people: uh, make sure that you ask if you need an introduction. Most people are very, very happy to help, and uh, even people with strong reputations and that are very busy and even have celebrity status. A lot of times, they're willing to take the time to answer questions and make the connections for you. So, right. And I was, I was very. Um, pleased with, you know, Damon John and his desire to help entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and, and to give them guidance. And so that was a really great experience. Um, but yeah, I mean, I learned a lot through that. I learned, you know, some of the obstacles that he had to overcome and, and kind of, he, you know, he let me know. One thing that really stuck with me was I'm, I'm a perfectionist mm-hmm. and I want to understand everything and I want to have everything perfectly lined out before I move forward. And, you know, one thing he said, you have to, you have to overcome that. You have to yes. just go. And um, you need to launch, and you need to get your brand out there, and you need to get it, you know, growing. And so um, that was one thing that I walked away with. But after that opportunity, it gave me the confidence to move forward mm-hmm. with um, 
exactly. Line. Exactly. I, I've heard people say that if you've got it about 60% there, get it launched and you can make it uh, make adjustments and tweak and perfect it as you right. move along. Because the market's not, even if you think you've got it 100% when you launch, the market changes so fast oh, that you're yeah. going to be off anyway. <laughs> so Absolutely. We're going to take a quick break. Hear a word from our sponsors. When we get back, we're going to be talking with Tricia some more about how she's been funding this new part of her business and some of the obstacles she's had to overcome and, and where she's going to take the business, her long-term vision. You're listening to Smart Companies Radio on Blog Talk Radio. We'll be right back. It's true, who you know is important, but what you know and how you apply that knowledge is what helps accelerate your career. Benedictine College's Executive MBA program is the only one-year executive MBA program in Kansas City. The North Johnson County campus and weekend class times are convenient and allow you to learn from world-class thought leaders and collaborate with other executives who intend to make a difference in their business and their community. Go to benedictine.edu slash EMBA. I'm Kelly Scanlon, and I'd like to introduce you to one of our new sponsors. The company is Audible.com, and if you're not familiar with what they do, they're a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from, and you can listen to any of them on any device, including what you're hearing us on right now. And if you sign up at our URL, don't go to their main website because you won't be able to get the offer. If you do that, you need to go to our URL, audibletrial.com forward slash thinking bigger. And if you do that, you get one free audiobook and a one month free trial of the service. You need to use our special URL, audibletrial.com forward slash thinking bigger in order to get that free audiobook and a one month trial of the service. That's audibletrial.com forward slash thinking bigger. morning. Welcome back to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. Our guest today is Tricia Steffes. She is the founder and CEO of Belize Alte, and that is a clothing and footwear company that's tailored to the needs of tall women. She's been talking to us about her inspiration for it, how the company started out as a collection of various lines that she offered online, and that she quickly became aware that there was just a lack of really good clothing and footwear for tall women, and so they're in the midst of manufacturing their very first line of clothing that it will carry their own name. So let's start there. What Do you have a name for the new line of clothing? Yes. So it's the Madeline Lebrano Collection, which is um, after my lady at, um, from Malta, which is mm-hmm. where my family's from, the island off of Sicily. I wanted to incorporate um, a little bit of my love for my family, my heritage. But um, she was a great woman, and she also was tall. And so um, I felt like that would just fit really yeah. well. It, and it, it, it has resonance. You know, it, it sounds very full and uh, striking. There's an elegance to it. You Thank know? you. So a very nice name. So how have you funded the business? Obviously, this takes some capital. This isn't something that you just start in your basement and uh, hope it grows. You have to put some pretty big, uh, in, make, make it a pretty big investment into this. Right. Well, you know, it's funny because when I first got started in the business, um, I, I was um, went through this program at UMKC, and it was kind of some online classes. And, and one thing that they said was, don't let a lack of capital or a lack of funding 
stop you from moving forward with the business because at that point, very little. I mean, um, when we initially got started, went through um, an adoption of my youngest daughter, relocation to Atlanta. So the funds are a few major right, right, yeah. Yeah. So the funds are a little tight. Um, So basically, grown organically, Mm -hmm. and that's quite an understatement. Um, But you know, the, the funds have just. They've just come. They've come through sales online, um, just some personal um, investments that we've made. So in you pers- bootstrapped, essentially. Oh, yes, absolutely bootstrapped. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, we're, we're at the point now where um, the manufacturing costs are getting to that point where we are, we are looking for additional capital. You know, mm-hmm. we're looking for um, funding paths, um, looking to launch a a um, crowdfunding campaign here in the next couple of weeks, mm-hmm. kind of finalizing some things there, hoping to raise a round of capital there. And then beyond that, I am in the works of trying to um, begin conversations with investors and mm-hmm. to see, because ultimately when you take on the cost of manufacturing, you have to go beyond bootstrapping. You have to go beyond Absolutely. yeah, the, the organic path. And so we are at that point now where, um, although to this point we have been blessed with um, the availability of growing organically, but um, yeah, we've just reached that mm-hmm. point where it's time to you right. know go into well, different paths. Well, and y- you never know in something like what you're doing, you could get a huge order in overnight. And if you don't have the capital to produce that order in a timely manner, that could sink you right there. Right. So you have to, you might get that one chance uh, to really give the company a boost and exactly. you can't act on it. Yeah. yeah. And you know, it's, it's funny because you get so much advice, so, so much advice from people. Some saying you don't, don't go the route of an investor, try to, mm-hmm. you know, but there is a point where you want, you want to grow, you want to grow effectively. You want to make right. sure that you are coming through for your customers. And I think that that just, you know, has brought us to that point where it's, yeah, it's absolutely time to mm-hmm. to seek other paths. So your relationship with Damon Johns, do you think that will help at all? Or was he more uh, making connections within the industry? Right. Yeah. No, you know, I, I never went to him for funding. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I mean, he's kind of mega in, in regards. And I, and I feel like I need to get the business in a, posi- a little bit more better mm-hmm. position, I guess, um, before reaching out. Um, to that avenue. But yeah, I mean, it's um, probably more like uh, along the lines of um, of an angel investor, or, mm-hmm. you know, sure. because um, the, the online boutique, although it's bringing in sales and revenues, um, there is such a deficiency with the, the pieces that we can collect that um, most of our revenues we aren't going to see pouring in until we actually start selling from the clothing line. Right. So how have you marketed your online store? You know, it's um, it's been quite a process. We've definitely, um, you know, utilized social media. That's mm-hmm. clearly a, a huge one here, especially being online. But, um, you know, one thing that I really started focusing on was growing a following in Kansas City. And so I had the opportunity to speak at One Million Cups sure. about four mm-hmm. weeks ago. Mm-hmm. That I, I was um, completely blown away by the response. And... So that was just, that just opened one door and mm-hmm. the, to many many doors. Right. And um, so my focus now is, you know, to really grow a following in Kansas City. This is where I'm from, my hometown, and then expand out. So um, some of the op- the uh, opportunities we're looking for moving forward is, you know, we're really going to market um, women's athletics mm-hmm. starting at the college realm. Um, you know, would love to eventually 
get in with some of the maybe WNBA and mm-hmm. um, you know, a gentleman at the um, the One Million Cups that heard me speak. His daughter is the seamstress for WNBA, okay. and so there's you know trying to get into those connections and just um, I think social media is such a a huge component mm-hmm. of the marketing. Um, we've just really been trying to adopt as much of um, the different avenues there that we can. Right. But as you say, you never know who knows who knows who. So, you know, you went up there and spoke at a million cups. Of, yeah, it has been about a month ago because I remember we tweeted out about it. Yeah. And you, you just uh, never know that somebody might be in the audience whose uh, exactly. relative is a seamstress to a potentially good line for you. Right. Um, so you have to follow up on all those leads. That's mm-hmm. the other thing is you never know where they're going to take you. Exactly. And it can be time consuming, but, uh, you know, you, you just have to, to do these kinds kinds of things. Whenever you say you wanted to uh, really focus on Kansas City, are you still in Atlanta? I mean, oh no, I'm sorry. We relocated back, back here. <laughs> so we relocated back um, within a year. Um, okay. This is where we're from, having, you know, young children. We wanted to get back to, to our community, especially with, you know, growing a business, starting a business. Um, being a community where people know you, where you have a network of people, that was so important. And so between that and, and family, it, we just realized that getting back to Kansas City was the place to be. And so, yeah, we um, we only lived in Atlanta a year, but um, I think it opened so many doors mm-hmm. that one year being in Atlanta really helped. And um, so, yeah, we are back in Kansas City. Yeah. And... And like you say, you're you're really trying to get the word out among uh, the Kansas City folks. And Kansas City, though, is really becoming, uh, I don't want to use the word mecca, but we're really becoming known for uh, the arts and for uh, maybe fashion. People like you help, uh, you know, propel us. But we're starting to get national attention because of the entrepreneurs. uh, And so there's, there's no reason why... You have to go to some of the other cities. Uh, we we were seeing such a, a brain trust or entrepreneurial trust leaving. Right. Yeah. You know, you'd get an idea and you, somebody, you'd go to the coast, or uh, you'd go to maybe New York in your case or Georgia, Atlanta. Uh, but we, there's really a lot of resources here, and we're getting a lot of national attention. So, mm-hmm. um, what do you think is your uh, long-term vision for the business? You've mentioned some niche lines, perhaps, mm-hmm. but, you know, your long-term vision. Yeah, is sure. Well, you know, um, as I said before, my one of my major passions is children. Mm-hmm. And so um, ulti- ultimately my goal with this business, um, I felt it was kind of a bridge to having the opportunity to work more with children and, and being able to give and, and do some philanthropy work. And so um, with the business itself, I'd love to see it grow. I want to get it to a point where we are offering a full line of clothing to tall women. Um, we are we're offering them not just the pieces that are standard that they can find in stores, but very unique pieces. Um, you know, patterns and fabrics mm-hmm. that they aren't going to find in stores. Right. And so uh, we kind of, not kind of, we definitely want to become the leader in tall women's fashion. Mm-hmm. Do you design your own clothes or do you have designers that you work with? I work with a designer, um, Kelsey O'Brien. Mm-hmm. Um, she went to the Institute of Design and Merchandising out of Los Angeles, but she's from Kansas City and she moved back. And so we connected. Um, I definitely bring some ideas to the table, but in regards to putting the pieces together, I couldn't do it without Kelsey. So, um, but yeah, so ultimately my goal is to, um, to build this clothing line and, and then either become an exclusive or eventually, 
you know, um, selling out because um, my long-term goals are, you know, to grow the business and have it to become, uh, you know, successful, but um, to uh, down the road in the future, putting more focus on my love for working with children. children. And would you focus on tall children, children who, or, or just children in general, clo- a general children's clothing line? No, not even that. More um, just philanthropy I'll work. See. Orphan, okay. Okay. Um, children in, you know, impoverished right. areas. So, so the business would be the avenue that you could use to, to, you know, to gain some financial independence to do that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, you know, um, but one, one avenue that I will consider um, is also offering a line of clothing for teens. Okay. Because, again, I've been struggling with this since I was 15. Right. And so, although right now our target market is 19 to 45, um, we will put an emphasis once we wrap our head around mm-hmm. this um, to helping the, you know, yeah. tall teenage girls Absolutely. Well. Yeah, so. Because sometimes, you know, you have a 15-year-old and you have these fashions that are for women that really aren't appropriate for right. a 15-year-old, but exactly. that's what you're stuck with. Yeah. So, Absolutely. Yeah, that, that would be great, I'm sure. Where are your clothes manufactured? You mentioned you had those kinds of decisions to make. What did you end up deciding? You know, um, I initially um, started doing most of my research offshore, but... Um, um, ultimately, after um, pretty extensive research, I, I figured I realized that, that it was best to have it manufactured in the, in the United States. So, we currently are working with, um, excuse me, a manufacturer out of Los Angeles for our denim, mm-hmm. um, a manufacturer out of North Carolina for activewear, and we are working. Uh, we just started working with a manufacturer out of New York for maxi dresses. Yes. And so, um, our maxi dresses are still very. Um, in the sample stage, and but um, we will eventually get them up to New York mm-hmm. to have them produced. So you mentioned that you did some research. What what did the research tell you that swayed you to bring them back domestically? Well, you know, as a startup, um, one thing that I kept running into offshore was the minimums were incredibly uh, high. So for one style, they wanted to produce they wanted me to produce three to five thousand mm-hmm. pieces. Was well, a startup, you know, I, I didn't feel like that was a, a very smart financial decision. Um, one thing I love about domestic manufacturing is that they do a allow you to produce smaller minimums and you know they they do have a heart for startup companies so you'll often see them work with you um, on, on a, you know a lot of different levels mm-hmm. in regards to even some marketing and um, uh, producing full package and so it was just a smarter move in, yeah. in the startup stage so for anyone who wants to go out and check out your online store how would they do that? What's your web address? Yep. Um, we can be found at um, tallcollections.com, and um, we will be adding some uh, images of our new styles that are going to be rolling out on that site as well for the clothing what, line. What time frame? Uh, we are looking at uh, September. Rolling okay, out so very soon. One. Yeah. Okay. So we'll, we'll be uh, rolling out phase one with <clears throat> just a... A uh, couple of styles of activewear pants, mm-hmm. uh, denim, and uh, two styles of uh, maxi dresses. And then from there, then we can expand, adding you know additional maxi dresses, some palazzo pants, mm-hmm. um, growing into uh, business wear, and even going as far as swimwear at some point. Mm-hmm. But um, as I mentioned earlier, just offering a full line of clothing, but we will do that in phases. Right, so. right. Well, very exciting. And tallcollections.com, be sure to go out and look at the collection. Trisha, we wish you the best of luck. Thank Thanks you Thanks for so taking much. the time to come and tell us about your business Thank today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, please visit us at www.ithinkbigger.com. Follow us on Facebook, Thinking Bigger Business Media, or on Twitter at I Think Bigger. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Thank you.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.